0: On the Empire Podcast this week we say Blimey O'Reilly, it's only Pedro Almodovar As the great Spanish director drops by to tie us up Tie us down Plus the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast Might as well start by saying sorry And just get it out of the way early Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt, welcome to the Empire Podcast This week I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning Fancy that Now, before I introduce them properly uh, This week we went a bit viral You know that hashtag fav7films or Fave 7 Favour 7films That was uh, sweeping the, the Twitter machine this week Well, that began with us And as it happens, I have my colleagues' choices right here
1: Oh god, I dread to think Please go on, Chris
0: First up is our Geek Queen A lady whose favourite Seven films of all time are (laughs) Number seven Princess Bride Number six Dragonheart Number five Dragon Slayer Number four Reign of Fire (laughs) Number three Dragon Ball Said Oh my gosh And the top two choices tied Uh Uh-huh Sam Winchester and Dean Winchester. Those aren't even films, Helen O'Hara.
1: They are. They're Ing- Ingmar Bergman films. Are quite obscure. you probably <laughs> really? have Never heard of them. This is a, a lie <laughs> and a calumny, and I would like to disassociate myself oh, at, good from word. it entirely. Thank you. I thought so. A
0: lie. That was... Yeah, lie is a complicated
1: yeah. word that you haven't heard before. Why but uh, one of those films would actually be in my top seven obviously Dean Winchester <laughs> uh,
0: next up we have our youngest pod team member whose choices are all from the year she was born weirdly enough uh, so here they are uh, number 7 Twilight <laughs> number 6 Kung Fu Panda number 5 Wally Is that the only one? that's the weirdest pronunciation of that <laughs> film ever Wally. number 4 Hancock number 3 Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the... Chris, what's that? I've never heard of it. It's weird. Don't know what that one is. Uh, Number two, Iron Man. And number
2: one, The Dark Knight. So 2008. 2008, Emma Thrower. You're 20 years too late, but um, okay. Ah, I I appreciate this.
0: It's the only way to to explain that You hadn't seen Die Hard.
2: I have not Or the Princess Bride. I know. I was going to say Helen's List. I've, I've, I've seen none of those.
0: You haven't um, seen Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I've
2: not seen Dragon Ball Z. No. But you have haven't s- seen Sam Winchester. <laughs> no. The movie. No. I'm more of a Dean. I don't know. I've never of seen Supernatural. <laughs> no. Of course
1: you're more of. Everybody's more of a Dean. I don't understand how this is a discussion. <laughs> oh, sorry, Mrs. Padleck. Everybody's more of a Dean. <laughs> no. I, never, I, I, I don't super
0: know natural. about that. I'm a Papa Winchester guy. Oh so. well,
1: Papa Winchester. You know, you can see where they. Got the jeans That's but all I'm saying. Jeffrey D. Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah. Also me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Now we've settled that. Well, did you guys actually post yours? Because yeah, I, I didn't.
2: Thank you. For, thank you for looking.
0: Not I, I did. not do yours? No. Did you? Mine, mine no, changes
1: you? on a daily basis. But the, the, the Princess Bride would be in there, and His Girl Friday, and uh, what else? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Serena DeBerguerac definitely. Probably some like it hot. Maybe Gentleman for Blondes, and. Uh, two others.
2: <laughs> that's seven.
1: <laughs> I'm really tempted to put in Hunter for the Wilder People, but that's oh. probably only because I saw it again
2: this week. Oh, so. uh, did you? Okay. Interesting. I was trying to find mine quickly. Mine are Fight Club,
0: uh uh-huh.
2: mm-hmm. um, The Fall, Cool, Terminator uh, Two.
0: Sorry, cool. I, I'm going to need you to go back.
2: Oh. Do you not like Fight Club? Yeah, Fight Club.
0: <laughs> That's a controversial choice.
2: The Fall. Yeah, yeah. sing film. Gorgeous, Gorgeous film. I have the Blu-ray. It's really good. I also, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, it's it's beautiful. But yeah, it's one of those films that was kind of I was told I needed to watch it, and now I feel like it's my job to, you know, my mother didn't like it, and we don't we don't speak anymore, so. Wow, tearing families apart mm. since 2000 and
0: whatever it was Curse you, Lee everyone.
1: Pace <laughs> How dare you
0: uh, That guy
1: How about you, Chris? Nope Evil Dead 2
0: <laughs> Not doing it Evil Dead 2 Well, obviously Evil Dead 2 right. But no, I'm not doing it Not doing it no, no. It's, it's impossible I Yeah can, family, no, 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 it can, no, not at all Wow No thanks You monster Yep Right. Okay. <laughs> <Super> <laughs> moving different. on. But uh, if you didn't take part, the hashtag's still open. I believe that's how these, how these things is. work. So uh, you can continue to do that and maybe tag us in as well so we can is see. You,
1: are we going to close the hashtag at some point?
0: I think the hashtag closes on Wednesday, August the 31st. <laughs> Which is a real date That's a real date That's genuinely That is a real date You
1: thought about it And you're yeah. like
0: It may not I be a real date like... This year No it is Because the bank no, it is. Monday's in yeah. the 29th yeah. Yeah. So it's the yeah. 31st Okay yeah, yeah. Alright so There we go That is the introductions Out of the way it only took 10 minutes Now, So time for this week's question Pay attention 007 Because it's not related To Bond In any way shape, or form uh, This comes from Facebook Ooh. I said I wanted A Facebook question this week So I trawled through Facebook And I, I found uh, Carl Jackson had sent us A number of questions And this is the best one And I think this is related to the fact that the Olympics is still going on. And then we had another good one, which came in this morning, but it was too late to substitute. Not that I would substitute, Carl. Your question means a lot to me. Uh, Which was about, with the Olympics going on, what's your favorite film in which people pursue gold? Now, that's a good question. Oh, that That is. That might be next week's question. So, get thinking. Anyway, Carl Jackson asks, which ex-sports star has had the best film career?
1: ooh I'm tempted to say Terry Crews but then I'm always tempted to say <laughs> Terry Crews um, The Rock I think I mean he was a college football player and then obviously I believe he, he did a little bit of wrestling How had he doubled with that yeah did a little bit of a yeah. little bit here a little bit there also
0: he was uh, He's doing he, he was quite a chef well.
1: he was a chef yes, yes he you, cooked yeah, he could smell it he was cooking mm.
0: I think banana chocolate support.
1: chip pancakes were his his <laughs> dish of choice at one point anyway yeah. so The Rock is probably I mean in terms of who had the most successful career it's probably The Rock but in terms of you know who do we love it's also Terry Crews
0: well see now this is all very interesting isn't it because it depends on your definition of sport
1: oh are you not counting wrestling
0: no I am counting wrestling you are counting wrestling but do you count competitive weightlifting uh, because if so, the one Mr. Arnold Aloysius Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Aloysius. Aloysius <laughs> uh, might just win the day here.
1: He could do. I suppose he's done quite well in in weightlifting as well as in movies. Yes. Fair enough.
0: All right. I'm going to, I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a Swartzy, as he likes okay. me to call him. In,
1: in. You two are so close. We're so, so, cute, close. Together.
0: so cute together. So cute together. Oh, have so just got another text. For oh, oh that's, again. That's, that's private. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Okay. Swartzy. Swartzy. I mean, basically the entire cast of Predator, right? <laughs> yeah. With the possible exception of Shane Black. I'm not sure if he was much of a sportsman before.
0: No, I think at that time all he could manage was a couple of push-ups.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, in contrast to everyone else in that cast.
0: Having said that, in that movie he, he has the bulging biceps, just yes. when they're placed next to everyone else <laughs> you know, they do slightly yes. pale into insignificance. Well,
1: I mean, everybody else is just like overly amped, aren't they, really?
0: Yeah. Well, are they? I, I hadn't noticed. Um, <laughs>
1: well, you it'd be hard for you to judge Chris, obviously, because, you know, of your own
0: bulging biceps. Well, yeah, being at the pinnacle of human perfection, as I am.
1: As, as you are, yeah. Uh, Chris is actually used the model for, by a lot of Batman artists. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you know that scene in Predator there were Carl Weathers and, and Schwarzenegger meet, and, class pans. and they clasp hands, and mm. they that was based on just my handshake technique with wow. anybody. Yeah, wow, that's just yeah. what I do. That's just I can't I can't stop myself. We're learning
2: so much. I today. can't stop
0: myself popping and sweating. <laughs> that's what I do.
2: Well, uh, I'd like to throw out another fine specimen. Um, according to some, I'm you know whatever. Jason Statham, oh yeah, champion, true champion, champion. I don't know, world class <laughs> diver. That is correct. Yes. He uh I've heard that he's had an all right film career. Mm. And, you know, of late it's actually yeah. quite bloody funny. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um yeah, he's 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 had a great he's had a great time. Although not everyone loves his stuff, he's he's worked consistently.
0: Who doesn't love the safe stuff? And what can I do? Yeah. No 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 no. Name and shame. <laughs> name and shame. I'm gonna throw another one in. Okay. Johnny Weissmuller. Johnny Weissmuller, yes. Johnny Weissmuller. Says here, won five <laughs> Olympic gold medals for swimming. So in many ways, he was the um, what's his, what's that bloke's name? the one with Phelps. The ears. That's him. Oh, Michael Phelps. The ears. <laughs> yes.
2: Like with the medals.
0: Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> on which to hang the medals. Uh, the Michael Phelps. He was in many ways the Michael Phelps of his day. So maybe Michael Phelps would go on to uh, to play Tarzan in uh, in a series of movies in which he sucks in the stomach as the years go by.
1: And in a similar um, style, Esther Williams. I mean, mm-hmm. she basically created a whole genre. She was essentially played by. Scarlett Johansson recently Yes um, To all intents and purposes In Hail Caesar and, uh, and And Apart from obviously All of the personal life stuff We make no accusations Against Esther, uh, Esther Williams No um, Of course not Of course not But in terms <clears throat> of the The swimming stuff And, and she, was a a she was she was a by the way Not, not a sort <laughs> sure, of sure. <laughs>
0: No seriously it was
1: Yeah she She had been headed To the 1940 Summer Olympics Before you know World War Two Kind of got in the way there oh, I know yeah. right But she was a competitive swimmer So yeah mm-hmm.
2: You've also got a few people that are popping up a lot in comedies at the moment. Not saying they've got great careers, but it's interesting to see sort of LeBron James and John Senna is everywhere right now. He's very funny. Time Who and he knew? is very funny. Yeah. And LeBron um, was great in Trainwreck. Also in Trainwreck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The two of them are very, very good. And then, you know, you've got a couple of, couple of women who are trying to make a mark like Ronda Rousey and um, yeah. Gina Carano yeah. giving it a shot you know yeah and really you don't want to be in the way of one of their
1: shots cause punchy, they, don't, they don't waste They do not. shots yeah, they do not throw away their shots yep all that
0: <laughs> yep those are all good are any of them uh-huh. Stanley Victor Collymore
1: no they're not oh. no they're not that's, um, that's why we like them
0: Stan Collymore Former professional footballer
1: I'm aware of this Big shout Uh,
0: Has made one film That I know of Mm -hmm. And that film Is Basic Instinct 2 in which he uh, he appears in the opening minutes of the movie, being driven through the streets of London by Sharon Stone whilst receiving, how can I put this, manual stimulation. <laughs> <laughs> and at the moment of ultimate release, uh, they crash into the Thames and Pearl Stan dies and Sharon Stone goes on to, well, the be film. in the rest of the movie, which is punishment <laughs> enough. Um, now, I would say that that little grouping of, of minutes mm-hmm. starting explosively and then ending in dismal dripping failure is very analogous for his Liverpool career but there you go Stanley Victor wow. de I mean that, that's 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 a career in two minutes
1: um, it's, it's funny we, this, this all came up because on Twitter this morning there was a discussion going on about Ryan Lochte the yeah. American swimmer who mm-hmm. uh, claimed to have been the victim of a mugging and there are now questions emerging about that claim and about that incident and what happened and what didn't happen and Someone suggested that, you know, a slightly stupid international swimmer would be an amazing cover for an international jewel thief. <laughs> <laughs> and that's True. honestly all I can think about since this question began is the Ryan Lochte international jewel thief movie. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure he could play himself, but I think Channing Tatum would make an amazing job of it. And, and you know, they would hide their stolen gold yeah. under their gold medals.
0: I've, I've long thought that uh, you could make a heist movie around the Olympics because they've got all the attributes, haven't they? they you can to get the pole faulting guy. He could he could pole fault over the laser grid mm-hmm. to get to the thing. Then you have the sprinter who has to run down the laser grid maze. It's all laser grids. Um, <laughs> down the laser grid maze in less than 10 seconds. Otherwise, they get chopped into pieces. Then you have the swimmer guy who swims underneath the underwater laser grid. Uh, you know.
1: This, honestly, it could be great. I think the problem will be getting it past the International Olympic Committee and their lawyers.
0: Screw those guys. We're going to call ours the Olympics. The
1: Olympics? <laughs> yeah. But honestly, it's, uh, yeah, that, that's, what, that's the one I want to see that is the sports movie that I am holding out for right now yeah hey.
0: absolutely and this is copyright the Empire podcast so mm-hmm. if, if suddenly a heist movie set around the Olympics comes out in like two years time well, we're going to sue your ass <laughs> and lose and I've got a gold medal in suing asses so um, there you go I'm going to throw more sports people into the mix very very quickly Stanley Victor Collymore is not the only sports player to football player to uh, have dabbled on the big screen of course we have Eric Cantona mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finney Jones movie career I would say stands up against anyone we've met Mentioned on this podcast so far.
1: <laughs> um, yep. Hey, uh, wasn't David Beckham a projectionist quite recently? Yes, he was. was yeah. On on the big screen. Yes,
0: he was, and he, so. he spoke a line of dialogue in Russian. Whoa. Which, given that English often seems beyond him, is uh, quite an achievement.
1: Hey. Hey, come hey. On. national treasure. National,
0: national treasure. treasure. Come on. He's off Book the of secrets. <laughs> Ali McCoist.
2: Ali McCoist. Ali
0: McCoist uh, of Rangers and Scotland fame. Team Host on A Question of Sport yes. was in Robert Duvall's A Shot at Glory, playing a character not entirely a million miles removed from Ali McCoy. But uh, he was actually very good. You'd hope. He was very good. Uh, who else? Jim Brown from The Dirty Dozen, former football American football player. Fred Williamson, also. Uh, Bubba Smith, mm-hmm. of course. Hightower from the yeah. Police Academy movies, former American football player. But there you go.
1: Um, we haven't mentioned the Escape to Victory lots because um, we they've come up before. Yeah. Uh, we haven't mentioned. Mentioned uh, Lance Armstrong because we don't anymore even though we still love that cameo but no he's ruined it
2: anyway with, with,
1: an with some other things but I think the cameo was the worst thing
2: <laughs> was uh, Chuck Norris not a sports star before I believe he yeah. was yes martial arts yeah I believe
1: he uh, was. yeah blame. I mean but actually I mean if we're looking at martial arts I mean all those all guys Steven Seagal and uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme have incredible martial arts yeah. skills actually and if make... you look back at their competitive years they were winning a whole lot of
2: very impressive titles. Yeah, you can't just improvise that stuff. No. <laughs> do. Do. You have to learn it somewhere along the line. Yeah. Yeah. So, those guys.
0: Those guys. Those guys. So,
1: I'm not sure we've had an, a definitive single answer no, to no, the question, but I we've think, definitely I had a discussion answer, around it.
0: The answer's Schwarzenegger. Which oh, was The was in, question was was is, which is. has had the best film career? Oh, well. Schwarzenegger.
1: Yeah, it could be Schwarzenegger. But, I mean, was he... You know, he probably was the highest-paid guy in town for a while, wasn't he? Because uh, The Rock, I believe, is now the highest-paid guy in yep. town. So, In town. Mm-hmm. Uh, which town is
0: this? Scunthorpe. London Town. <laughs> <Scamishop>. <laughs> the Rock is the high- what, Really? Apparently. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's something I read recently. He was yeah, the highest-paid actor in Hollywood last year. And he totally posted that all over that his because Instagram. because he made
0: 75 movies? I mean, it's, had- yeah,
1: it's kind of cheating because he worked harder than everybody else. So, you know, he doesn't need to make as much per movie. But at the same time, that <laughs> that is
2: also part of being successful, well, I He produces guess. a lot of stuff too
0: mm-hmm. yeah uh, same thing that's why I do a lot of podcasts uh-huh. <laughs> I get paid per podcast. Don't you guys get paid per podcast? I get paid I don't
1: per podcast. don't know what you're talking about. Hey, what is this coming <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: A penny per podcast. A shiny golden penny. Right, should we have some movie news?
1: Yeah, let's do yeah.
0: it. What's been happening in the world of the movies?
1: Um, well, uh, can I do the Hamilton news roundup to oh, begin with? Oh, God, God forbid we don't mention Hamilton oh, on our dearly. podcast. Yeah, let's start with Hamilton. Yeah, let's start with Hamilton. <clears throat> well, there's actually kind of two exciting bits of Hamilton <laughs> yeah. news this week. Uh, let's start with the slightly less obvious one which is that Leslie Odom Jr who played Aaron Burr in the in the show, he's kind of the narrator antagonist, antihero type person in the show and he won a Tony for his efforts, des- deservedly so. He has left the show and he is now taking a new role. He's in talks to join Kenneth Branagh's new version of Murder on the Orient Express. So Branagh went aboard the film in June of last year. He's planning to direct and star as Poirot in the movie and it basically it's Poirot trying to solve uh, a mystery on a train I could tell you who done it but like that would spoil the film don't, don't do and that. some of you may not remember the book <laughs> and or the previous films so this of course follows on the Sidney LeMay film of 1974 which had everyone in Hollywood in it and this one's due out next year but they're still not telling us much about it he's this would only make Odom Jr. the second confirmed cast member we don't know which role he'd be playing and we don't know who else will be in it so this is just the start
0: <laughs> it doesn't get much better than that
1: hey I did say that's why I'm rounding it up you know that's yes. why I'm like taking one story and then putting it together with another story to make
2: it sound more exciting than it is but he's definitely not playing the Orient Express he's definitely not playing the train sure of uh, yes
0: not really anything else at this point <laughs> if you're in Hamilton then you can surely to do anything. I mean, am he's won a right? Tony, You right? can.
1: Uh, and he's won a Tony, all right?
0: I'm going to New York this week.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, good
0: luck. I'm not going That's to see gets. Hamilton.
1: You never know. You might find a cheap ticket.
0: I'm not... I don't it's have... It's probably not
1: going to happen. <laughs> also in Hamilton News, the composer, writer, star Lin-Manuel Miranda, ex-star now he's left, is continuing his association with the Mouse House. Now, he's obviously already written uh, some music for Moana, which is their upcoming animation. He is moving from that into Mary Poppins, where he'll be t- taking an acting role rather than a sort of compositional role. And he is now teaming up with Alan Menken to do the music on The the Little Mermaid. And I'm super excited about this. Alan Menken is a guy who started off also writing musicals. He wrote Little Shop of Horrors with his uh, writing partner, Howard Ashman. And the two of them were recruited by John Musker and Ron Clements to go to Disney and write the music for the original Little Mermaid. Ashman sadly died of AIDS uh, while they were working on Beauty and the Beast together. But Mencken went on to work with Disney throughout the 90s. He won so many Oscars that they actually changed the category definitions so other people would have a chance. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Um, I think he won eight in the 90s. Like, it was insane. And so, it's really exciting that he's back doing the music for this new Little Mermaid and it's very, very exciting that Lin-Manuel is kind of joining him because I think that the kind of trajectory of his career does have obviously comparisons to uh, Mencken and especially to what he and Ashman did with Little Shop of Horrors which was to create a really witty spin on the musical in a different way than we'd seen before and I think that's what Manuel did with with Hamilton as well so to see them working together I I think is really really exciting and it gets me much more fired up than I already was for a live action Little Mermaid and he's like a super big fan because his son's called Sebastian as well oh (laughs) but he is a fan because like if you listen to Hamilton on repeat obsessively (laughs) not (laughs) not that not that not that that we would Chris does that all the time. Yeah, Chris, but not us.
0: What was happening?
1: Anyway, <laughs> if you listen to it on repeat, you will notice a quote from Macbeth in Hamilton. And that quote is, of course thanks, screw your courage to Sorry. the sticking place, which is also the line that Mencken and Ashman nicked for one of the songs in Beauty and the Beast and I am pretty sure, actually yeah. with all due respect to Lin-Manuel Miranda, that he probably thought of that line first from Beauty and the Beast and second from Macbeth. So I think Whoa. he's a big, big fan of Mencken's work.
0: Are manuel Miranda? No,
1: not at all. I'm saying Are that he saying has, that has that pop this... culture roots as yeah. much as he has Shakespeare scholarship. Mm-hmm. I'm telling him. Yeah, well, that's fine. Oh, I just um,
0: got text from him. Thank you.
1: It's okay joking about Schwarzenegger texting, <laughs> you, but it's not okay to suggest that you're Lin Manuel Miranda's friend.
0: Uh, We're well, his friend. I'm sorry, Helen, but my text says otherwise. Oh, really?
1: You want to show me that?
0: It, as I said, my texts are private from Linny. Linny. Linny.
1: I feel that's not right. Uh, anyway, Alan so Menken. that was the news.
0: Alan Menken. That, well, that was that the news. Was, that, was that, that was it. That was, was it. <laughs> Alan Menken. Uh, I'm surprised honestly that he hasn't been used more recently, because as we know, he wrote the music for Sausage Party.
1: He did. Which yes. We saw this week. We which actually, I was watching that and thinking this is very Menken-esque, mm. and it turns out there was a reason yeah, for that. There's he,
0: a big he, musical number in the middle of Solstice, uh, beginning of such party, which you have to see to believe. You
1: really do. We'll Aww. talk about it in a few
0: weeks. But also, a song is very close to our hearts. Yes. yes. Star-spangled man, man from Captain America: The First Avenger, and there is the Marvel mention. <laughs> yes. There we go, <laughs> that's it, guys. Hamilton that's and it. Marvel. If you're playing the drinking game at home, then you're pissed now. <laughs> um, you're probably catatonic. And probably but,
1: pissed that we keep yeah. mentioning.
0: Yes, Hamilton uh, and Marvel. Yeah, but don't worry. When when, when Marvel make the Hamilton movie, <laughs> well, can you imagine? <laughs> oh. Oh my God. <laughs> With Lin Manuel Miranda officially becomes oh part of the MCU goodness. and Helen explodes. <laughs> and then and then they, they make okay, so here's the, here's the ultimate film, right? Okay.
1: The ultimate Kev- Helen film.
0: Kevin Feige. <laughs> right. Comic-Con next year. Yeah. Announces that Lin Manuel Miranda <laughs> has superpowers and is actually part of the MCU and they're making the Lin Manuel Miranda
2: that's really tough to say. It
0: is. <laughs> origin <laughs> Tale. And in that movie he would be played by Jensen Ackles.
2: Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um and at, that,
0: at that point I think Helen would Cease to exist There would be Just a singularity <laughs> where Just Helen a shower of
2: glitter <laughs> yeah, Where yeah. I once
0: Yeah I think that's what would happen So um, wow. But well, yeah Star Michael Man Is such a great Stars moment Stars
1: Michael in, Man Is, is um, wonderful is Wonderful
0: brilliant. song So uh, yay for Alan Menken I
1: actually I ran a marathon At the weekend and then Oh yeah, I oh, to, yeah. Came home and Just dropped that in there Went home and collapsed And wasn't really fit To do anything And watched Captain America The First Avenger On TV And that was my That was my cool day wind down from the marathon. It's great
0: so there's a whole bunch of stuff that's happened in the last week uh, some of it good and some of it very very sad as we'll get to in a second but some interesting news is that the long dormant Holmes and Watson comedy which was to star Will Ferrell and Sacha Baron Cohen back in the day has been revived and given a lick of paint mm-hmm. and will now star Will Ferrell and John C. Riley.
1: ooh awesome. I'm quite excited by that I think that's a I mean they're a great combo mm-hmm. they work so well together and they kind of I can see them looking like Holmes and Watson you know Ferrell is tall enough that he can kind of uh, make Holmes work, even even though he's maybe not the most traditional Holmes we've ever seen. Because I
0: believe it was the other way around when Sasha Baron Cohen was announced that he was attached, rather he was going to be Holmes, Holmes mm, and yes. Ferrell was going to be Watson. And we don't know what the story is. I mean, obviously there's been a couple of comedies about Sherlock Holmes in the past. I think probably the most recent one was Without a Clue, mm-hmm. the conceit of which is that Holmes was an idiot, an actor hired by the real genius. <laughs> Watson. So Michael Caine was Holmes, and Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley was Watson. And uh, yeah, I really like that film. I've got a lot of time for it, although I haven't seen it for a long, long time. But uh, yeah, it, it feels that there's, there's this is ripe comedic territory.
1: Yeah, every uh, everybody knows the setup, so you can yeah. now make fun of it.
0: Yeah, a little bit. But. I don't know. Maybe there's enough comic relief already in the iterations of Holmes that we have at the moment, the Robert Downey Jr. Holmes and the Benedict Cumberbatch Holmes.
1: Maybe, but I think it'll it'll work quite well with um, the two of them kind of alternating straight and, and not so straight man roles. I think it could work quite well. And and Farrell is so good at being pompous yes. that uh, I think he could make a wonderful, wonderful Sherlock Holmes. I think it'd be super fun. Mm. Yeah, this, this is being directed by Ethan Cohen, I think, which is maybe not quite I'm such a reliable pair of hands as say yeah. adam mckay would be. Yeah. But I think we've got to hope for the best with the cast.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh his last movie as director was Get Hard. That's not a good calling card.
2: No. Oh. But you know,
0: fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I hear with the script and hopefully it'll be funny.
2: Also news this week that A Star is Born is finally happening, the one that Bradley Cooper has been, you know, looking to direct for a while. He's going to star in it, still making his directorial debut, but Our Lady Gaga is is now definitely on board to play that eponymous role. Um it's been played so many times before. It's a weird one this because it's gone through so many different people at times there was chat of, you know, Leo doing it.
0: Or Beyonce and Clint
2: Eastwood. Yeah, Beyonce for Clint Eastwood, yeah. Which I was, that version was the one that I thought, you know, her, Mm. DiCaprio Eastwood, I thought that was the one.
0: I would have preferred a version where she directs and Clint Eastwood is the star he's discovered.
2: (laughs) Do you know what? I think that might, okay, no, that was the version that I was really hoping for. Uh, (laughs) You know, give Clint another Oscar there. It says that, you know, after sort of meeting with Gaga and Screen test that she's won the role and she's having such an amazing time right now because mm. she's you know she's winning awards for her role in American Horror Story and everyone's sort of raving about her in that. We know that she's got some serious pipes.
0: We also know she's got a p- 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 poker face. But she is, does. I imagine that served her well on a screen test.
2: Yeah, I mean this could be
1: interesting. I think I was a bit more excited about the Beyonce <clears> one. And yeah, I, uh, mm, this is one of those rare cases where you actually want a little bit of an age gap between the central couple and. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. these two don't feel like they're that far apart in age maybe I'm being just wrong mm-hmm.
0: isn't she still in her 20s or something huh? she's
2: like I think she's she just, just over 30 30? yeah, she, yeah. Like, th- she I she don't just keep feels track like she's of... been around a lot longer than she has that makes yeah. sense but it doesn't feel like as much of an event yet as the other one did you know when it was announced Eastwood was doing it that was huge yeah. and it's obviously Bradley's first first film which
0: oh Bradley maybe, yeah. oh Bradders oh, oh Bradders, Bradders now yeah. you got a text from him
2: no no we
0: no you haven't no because my phone just went oh, look who it is <laughs> is it Beaky? it's my mate Bratters oh <laughs> he and Linny want to join me for drinks later on
1: these are not nicknames stop it Braders and Linny <laughs> Braders and Linny it sounds like an unlikely indie movie <laughs> it
0: sounds like Biggles backup crew <laughs> come on Braders! come on Linny let's stick it to the Luftwaffe
2: <laughs> but yes yeah, so we have no idea what his directing potential is like he's Obviously worked for some huge people, and you know he's worked for Clint Eastwood and everything. And maybe that will stand him in good stead. Maybe David or Russell will be kind of, you know, the other end of the, of the phone giving him some pointers. But yeah, I don't know. If, <laughs> I mean, if he tells can you can to you hurt, hurt people, if he tells you to hurt people, brothers, maybe don't listen. No, maybe not. Oh, I love the idea of
0: like, you know, Bradley, where are you pointing your camera? Uh, at a wall? No, oh, you idiots! If you learn nothing from my movies, point it at the people. Oh yeah, that's right. No, thanks, thanks, David. <laughs> Don't know what I've done without you. Bye. I think Bradders knows. <laughs> Bradders. He knows to point the camera at the people.
2: But yeah, I like the idea yeah, of maybe Robert De Niro popping up now in some sort of <laughs> some sort of cameo role. Somebody's dad. It doesn't really matter somebody's who. Somebody's dad. God, God's dad. So
0: Bradders is starring as well as yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah. He's starring because before you had like Tom Cruise and Will Smith also being mentioned as well. But I looked him up. He's 11 years older than her, so I guess that's kind of a that's an a age pretty verb. decent age. Yeah. And yeah,
0: with makeup and judicious use of camera angles. he can Angals. look angles. he can look maybe 12 or 13 years older than. yeah <laughs> <laughs> give so him some facial hair
2: more more facial hair he's got a lot yeah. of facial hair at the Making moment it grizzled there's a
0: big difference between was it chris christopherson and and babs yes in the 76 version i'd have to check i don't know there's a huge difference between those two i think they're roughly I, the same age i
1: feel like he's a good bit older you think do you not think I'm just think, maybe possibly think I'm thinking of him, him being extremely
0: be
1: I, f- I feel like I'm thinking of him being extremely grizzled in the uh, <laughs> uh, <I laughs> Blade just, movies yeah. The
0: Empire Podcast where we Google actors <laughs> ages in real time this is extraordinary what's happening well, how old is Chris Christopher? he was
1: born in 1936 okay. which makes him I don't know 80 and she was born in although we shouldn't ask her age, <laughs> her age. she was born in 42
0: alright so, so she's 6 years younger Yeah. All right. Mm. Just saying. Mic drop.
2: But interestingly, Gaga is also writing new music for this. Yeah. Cool. Which... I mean, get Linny on board. And I think we've got a winner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. First to get to an EGOT out of two of them. Bets now. I, I'd have Bradley Cooper. I mean, no. Or manuel <laughs> Or Bradley. Well, no, Lin and, oh, and Gaga. Oh, Lin and Gaga. Okay. Well, hang on, hang okay. on. Bradders
0: is a potential EGOT as well, I mean, isn't he? I mean, he's been nominated for Oscars. Sure, he, he has. hasn't, hasn't won one yet. No. Unless I've missed something. No, 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 he but, hasn't. But um, was he nominated? He probably was nominated for a Tony for his Elephant Man.
1: Could have been He was very good in that I'm, there, sure I'm, I'm not sure if he won mm, No So,
0: <laughs> so Not only really are we cooking people's ages Is there a
1: nomination that <laughs> no, he got then Yeah he's a he nomination that he
0: got All he needs is a Grammy So and, and Everybody
1: just needs to do a spoken word album yeah. at some and, point so they can all win a Grammy yeah. And
0: he's bound to be nominated at some point for Alias right So that's that's presumed
1: <laughs> I mean <laughs> For Alias
0: He's just one nomination for a Grammy <laughs> Yes for Alias He was amazing in Alias <laughs> and then um, this- He's just one Jobs potential getting. nomination away from being an EGOT nominee?
1: Well, I can tell you he's been nominated for an Empire Award. Well, that's an E. Yeah, and oh, for a Golden Globe. Oh my goodness. That's a G. <laughs> we know about the Oscar. That's a G. That's
0: an O. It's not quite the same, Chris. Give us a T. Give us a T.
1: <laughs> a teen Choice Award.
0: Teen yeah. Choice Award! <laughs> oh, he is. <laughs> and a Tony. And a Tony. <laughs> and a Tony. There we go. So he's an
2: e EGOT! Nominee Lots of Yeah I take it all back You beat Lynn and oh, And lady He's going to wow. be so
0: He's going to be so pumped When I text him <laughs> Brothers <laughs> LOL
2: what else what else
0: what's the hashtag I've, I've said about an aubergine what Has- does that mean
2: hashtag EGOT
0: uh, yeah I've actually sent him a, uh emoji I meant to send him an award but I sent him the aubergine followed by the splash one no
2: no Helen what else
1: oh what does well- that mean <laughs> I, I, I just think that means wash your vegetables before eating oh. them <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> that's what it means <laughs> Well, you know, he's got to get in good shape, right? So it's important yeah. to have those.
2: Oh. It's a friendly reminder.
1: Uh, hey, let's move really fast onto another story. It's
0: good advice, Helen. Yeah. yeah.
1: John Krasinski, who oh. is a lovely, lovely oh, man and extremely handsome with his he beard. He could play Michael Phelps. Oh, my goodness. He there could play go. Michael he absolutely 100% could, 100%. yeah. He
0: has the body. He has the ears let's mm-hmm. be honest he's got he's, he's a got lovely, lovely man ears. he's got
1: lovely ears he's, he's tall but, but he's not yeah. Phelps tall but he's tall but Phelps is like a, a weird Giant. mutant person oh. who has <laughs> <laughs> no like in a, in a good way obviously like he's yeah. won like a million gold medals by a being a mutant yeah but he has he genuinely like has a like a longer body than he should and a shorter shorter legs than he should and yeah. longer arms than he should mm. um, as you know compared to most people in the population and that's what makes him a great swimmer yeah or part of it obviously dedication and
2: training and all that larry. and eating 20 meals a day yeah. Yeah, sure.
1: Um, Anyway, John Krasinski, getting back to the subject, is going to start in a new Jack Ryan series for Amazon. It's had the green light this week. It's going to be called, I think, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. And it means that he'll be playing the Marine-turned-CIA analyst-turned... He had a spell in the middle there as a stockbroker, which I've probably slightly left out. Anyway, CIA (laughs) -CIA analyst-turned-CIA deputy director who becomes vice president, who becomes president. Uh, The books are actually kind of... Cool. Like, there's a lot going on for Jack Ryan across the course of the books, and we've only seen actually a fraction of it on screen. Despite the fact that he's been played by like five different good people, there was four, Alec Baldwin, now, Harrison Ford, Ben Affleck, and Chris Pine. Okay, Pye. so five now with Krasinski. Yeah. But yeah, uh, there, there's a lot more that they could tell. They haven't really done Cardinal of the Kremlin, for example, which I think that I remember being one of his great name. It's a good good title, isn't it? And uh, and obviously all the stuff where he becomes vice president and president hasn't been touched on. There's a mm-hmm. whole lot of other Jack Ryan books, Jack Ryan stories that they can tell. So this is kind of cool. I think the Jack Ryan movie, the Kenneth Branagh one, didn't really set the world alight in the way that they were maybe hoping. It certainly did not. Mm. But, I, you know, he could kind of work <clears throat> on in a kind of longer form TV show. So I think this is kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, I, I'm in full agreement. And John Krasinski is a good choice. Yes, he is. He has action hero chops. But also, as we know from The Office, he's frighteningly good at sitting behind a desk to an admin <laughs> which is a lot of what Jack Ryan does he's, he's a bit of a pencil pusher he's not always the guy who uh, he is
1: how dare he you is. sir how dare he, you
0: he likes to file reports you like to file reports the most no, exciting don't. moment in any of the Jack Ryan movies is the bit in Clear Present Danger where he and Henry Cerny are battling to for the printer yeah they're battling for a printer that's essentially what's happening in that movie and that's what Jack Ryan is he's not the guy that you drop into the firefight and he takes out 20 guys that's the other Jack that's Reacher this guy, this guy is—he's more cerebral. He fights in the
1: mind. He, yeah, he does. But he also—you know—he <laughs> can, <laughs> can also kill people when called upon to do so. He can That's the interesting with a stapler. Because there's that great <clears> bit <throat> in the in the book where he becomes president, the name of which I've forgotten. Executive orders—I don't know—something something like, like
0: that. that. Executive thinking. Yeah,
1: d- yeah. Uh, he uh, is. But there's the the whole discussion where his kind of political enemies are going. This guy's killed people with his bare hands. Can we have a president who has killed people with his bare hands? Is that okay? And and you know that's kind of a cool little angle on a person, I think. And I, I don't know, he is. You're right. He is very, very, very intellectual. He does solve puzzles rather than just going around shooting people like Bond does. Well, um, like Sudoku and stuff. Yeah. Probably cool crosswords, that kind. Of. He can probably do like the the difficult times crossword, not just like the easy one that we sometimes do over lunch. Man, I know. That's so, a dream right there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of excited for it, and I think it could be really good. And obviously, Krasinski is not exactly difficult on the eyes. So, but is he better than the Winchesters? That is the question. I think I'd really have to sit down and you know really mm-hmm. think about that at length with pictures
0: now I'm very excited this week uh, because Guillermo del Toro's new film The Shape of Water yep. started filming in Toronto which I believe is in Canada um, I don't know a whole lot about the movie at the moment uh, there's a, a one line description of it which is an otherworldly story set against the backdrop of Cold War America circa 1963 oh, that's uh, and there's a sort of got- Cold
1: War link to Ryan there carry on
0: yeah uh, see we don't just throw this stuff together here on the Empire I want to say podcast <laughs> uh, so great cast: Sally Hawkins Michael Shannon Richard Jenkins Michael Stuhlbarg Octavius yes. Spencer yeah. and of course it's because, really because it's Guillermo good. del Toro Doug Jones yeah and now will it be Doug Jones Is Doug Jones or will it be Doug Jones under layers of prosthetics mm-hmm. uh, who knows who knows but uh, that's happening right now in Canada and Guillermo definitely seems to be backing away from the big behemoth blockbusters so he's not necessarily doing one for well, not that he ever really did one for them, one for me because all his blockbusters are personal Yeah. but The Hobbit was certainly one for them, had it happened. But he certainly seems to be moving away from the big movie, small movie big movie, small movie and now just doing small, small, small. Uh, whereas Stephen E. Knight now, as we know, is directing Pacific Rim 2 mm-hmm. and not Guillermo. So this is very interesting, I would say.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it. Any Guillermo film is, is something to look out for, I think, and get excited about. I'm very jealous that we're not in LA right now to go and see the exhibition of all his stuff at LACMA which looks looks incredible so yeah big
0: up to him Okay, now some uh, some very very sad news to round off the news section. First of all, this is a sad one for for us here in the UK. So the Metrodome Group, Metrodome Distribution, one of the the sort of the one of the smaller distribution companies in the UK. Uh, over the last few years, they've been responsible for the likes of distributing arthouse movies and movies that need a wider audience, movies like Monster and Donnie Darko and The Secret in Their Eyes and The Counterfeiters and movies like that. And in fact, a movie that's going to come out this weekend, we're going to talk about it, called The Childhood of a Leader. They have gone into administration and most staff and this is according to Screen Daily uh, most staff have been made redundant no official statement has yet been made but apparently it has come as something of a shock and on the same day another independent stalwart Fortissimo also filed for voluntary bankruptcy now this is uh, a very sad development and I, I think perhaps one that speaks to the somewhat powerless nature of movies at the moment uh, certainly smaller movies we talk constantly on the podcast about how smaller movies and mid-sized movies are finding it harder to A. get made and B. get distributed and, and see fight for space in a marketplace up against the, the giant movies the franchise films and that certainly seems to be the way of it with this uh, Fortissimo for example most recently distributed Thebe and Ira Sachs Love is Strange that very good John Lithgow Alfred Molina movie mm. which came out last year Sad times?
1: It is yeah, yeah It's it's good. it gives you an idea just how tough it is out there for people with, with the smaller kind of films you know coming out and trying to make an impact in a market that is saturated with all the coverage and you know we talk a a lot about them as well but the big films tend to suck up a lot of the oxygen I think in terms of screens in terms of you know advertising in terms of just space in theatres and space in people's heads and it's it is difficult and you you know they're being squeezed from the other direction as well by you know really good streaming distributors and so on giving people films at home so you don't even need to leave the house to see great indie movies so I think it's it's a really tough time and they've both done amazing work promoting great great films that deserved a great audience and I think it's it's really sad see them go.
0: Indeed. Well, you know, hopefully we, we've seen companies go into administration and come out the yeah. other side. Fingers crossed. So fingers crossed indeed for both Metrodome and Fortissimo Films and to all our friends at both companies our thoughts are with you guys. And also on another very, very sad note in the last week or so a couple of icons of the film industry left us. First of course was Kenny Baker who passed away last week. R2D2 himself.
1: Yeah. I was lucky enough to meet him once. We were on Richard and Judy together and he was a very, very lovely man. He was a, a real charm a really funny, smart, kind individual and and obviously he's he's also R2-D2 who was an absolute icon of I think everyone's childhood. I don't know of any child ever who has watched those films and not instantly fallen in love with him and not instantly wanted him as a best friend um, <laughs> because you understood exactly what he was saying, you know, without I mean part of that was obviously Ben Burtt's signs but part of it was also Kenny Baker in there giving him his heart and giving him his soul and doing so often in the desert heat you know, sweating and mm. um, and in discomfort the entire time and still sort of emerging smiling at every break and you know at every uh, opportunity so he obviously did more than that Uh, Time Bandits Mm -hmm. another great Kenny Baker performance but I think that's that's the one that he's going to go down in history for and deservedly so
0: Indeed, and to echo so many tweets, sad beep Sad beep Sad beep And also, Arthur Hiller passed away last night We record this podcast on Thursday As we passed away on Wednesday night, Arthur Hiller, the great director of so many great comedies The Out of Towners and Silver Streak and The In-Laws, weirdly enough I spoke to Alan Arkin I had the good pleasure of speaking to Alan Arkin recently about that movie uh, And about Alan Arkin's career And he says The In-Laws is one of the favourite movies uh, of his career He absolutely enjoyed, loved working on it and loved working with Arthur Hiller And what a legend, what a genius he was was, and a couple of things. Obviously, you know, Super streak as had mentioned, see no mm-hmm. evil, hear no evil. So uh,
1: Dustin Hoffman's uh, cinema debut apparently was in The Tiger Makes Out, which was one of his. Well, there you go. And of course, Love Story is the one he got uh, an Oscar yes. nomination for. I mean, it's it's melodrama with a capital Mello, but uh, <laughs> but he made it a gigantic success, a gigantic hit, and, you know, it, it does kind of have its place on a Sunday afternoon when you just want to sit and watch something, I don't know, gentle. But I think actually that does reflect Hiller himself a little bit. He apparently posed to his wife for the first time when he was aged eight Aww. and uh, they didn't get married immediately they no. waited a little bit longer but they were married for 68 years wow. um, and uh, <laughs> so and she died uh, last June but he's survived Aww. by his daughter, son and five grandchildren wow. 68 years 68 years man wow. that's incredible
0: he also directed the first episode of The Adams Family back in the 60s oh
2: thank you for that <laughs> that's amazing
0: so yeah there we go Arthur Hiller who passed away this week and Kenny Baker who passed away last week Okay, time now for this week's guest. He is one of the true mavericks of world cinema who constantly surprises audiences with his audacity and ferv. But enough about Phil and They also say the same about <laughs> the great Spanish director Pedro Almodovar, the man behind Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, High Heels, uh, All About My Mother, Talk to Her, Bad Education. Fav, Fav, Bear. Bear. thank you. <laughs> uh, the Skin I Live In. Uh, the legend, the man's a legend. He has a new film, uh, Julieta. 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 My God. <laughs> Such a difficult language, this English. <laughs> What's going on? Julieta, out soon. And when he came to London last week, obviously there was only one man who could talk to him. Our art house guru, Phil Disemlian. Do enjoy.
3: We are incredibly, really delighted, thrilled to have um, the great Pedro Almarovar on the Empire podcast this week. Yeah, thank uh, you. Welcome to you. And uh, his interpreter Maria is here as well, just to help us out if, uh, if my questions are too tangled. And complex. <laughs> um, and last night, of course, you had the, the premiere of, uh, of your new movie, Julieta. Yes. Julieta? Julieta.
4: Julieta as you want. I mean, we, in Spanish, uh, we have this sound, La Jota, Julieta, but it's, I mean, you can say Juliet or Julieta, whatever you want. I'm going to go English and just say Julieta. Yes. Um, I mean, originally it was Juliet. Juliet, and you had,
3: um, you had that at Somerset House in London. Yes. Um, and there's a great picture, a great photo of you on <laughs> on the internet now doing, I guess you could call it a bono. It's a bit of a, you know, bono from you too. You've got your, your arms out and you're doing a selfie with the, with the yeah. crowd.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was really, I mean, in the, it's a wonderful feeling just to be in front of 2,000 souls sitting down on the floor, uh, incredibly relaxed. And uh, just, uh, just to, to trying to celebrate the screening because this is what the idea of cinema was for me when I was a child. You know, in, at open air, just yes, to see a movie uh, I, in, in that kind of atmosphere. So it was great. So
3: the tragedy is that Julietta. Ju- um, is uh, her, her daughter has, has left, effectively. Uh, and the film is, 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 is cut across two, two timelines, um, the, the sort of the, the, the modern day, and, and it folds back to the 80s. Um, you cast two different people to play the role of Julieta because yep. you don't like the prosthetics of aging. Um, but they didn't really meet uh, Adriano Gata and Emma Suarez. You kept them apart for the, for the shoot. Did you know that they knew each other before you started filming?
4: Uh, I don't know if they, if they they are very different as persons and also as actresses I mean you mean the two actresses yes yeah and um, at the beginning I was concerned about that they should imitate one of them so I decided that Adriana should uh, imitate Emma um, but uh, and, and but I decided only two things uh, the way she walked because it's, it's a movie where uh, where the character walks a lot in the streets, and, and Emma has a very particular way of walking, and uh, I remember myself walking with the two of them, just trying to make the same kind of walk than Emma, and also the way she smokes cigarettes. But they were they they there were no room for sequences where when Adriana uh, could smoke, so it, it was uh, helpless. Um, but at the end, you know, summarizing this, uh, I thought that that it was not necessary to look like exactly the same. Uh, it is the same character, but in two very different ages and with different experiences. Um, so the mature Julieta uh, is someone very sad. I mean, a face that contained a lot of pain, uh, experiences in the, in, the, in the last 13 years. And the, the young Julieta, is, is full of joy, full of excitement, represents uh, a, a women of, of Madrid in the 80s. So, you know, the 80s, that decade, it, it is very important for us because it was like the rebirth of the democracy in Spain after living under a awful detector of 40, 40 years. So um, Julieta, the, the, the young Julieta represents, uh, I mean, is, is a woman of the of the of the of the 80s. Uh, very free in every in every aspect and I'm very young and enjoying and celebrating everything. So very different from from the other. That was also the reason. Because uh, and also you know I wanted to have the freedom of taking this kind of elections. That I, no, two actresses. I mean, Buñuel did it uh, more outrageously and more interesting <laughs> than I in, 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 in um, Oscuro Objeto de Deseo, that obscure object of desire. Uh, so, I mean, you, I don't know if you remember, yeah. he, de- he decided uh, that the character, the protagonist, is, is, uh, could, uh, should be made by two very different actresses, Angela Molina and Carol Bouquet just representing the different moments uh, of the character, when one is special, passionate, and the other one is very cold. So, I mean, if, if, if uh, Buñuel did it long time ago, I thought that I could
3: do it yeah. <laughs> in this movie. I, w- I wondered if, you know, when you were starting out and the with the Movida movement was taking shape, um, do you feel, do you feel um, a sense of jealousy about filmmakers now that are in that position who are just starting their careers who have the opportunity to use mobile phone cameras to make movies the 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 means of making films seems to have got that much easier Um, or do you feel a sense of do you feel a sense of sympathy that it's harder to get films made now
4: i think for the young authors is harder everywhere Um, but uh, i've been mean, thinking if, if i if i if i were a boy now of 20 years old i'm i'm sure that i will make a movie with a mobile uh, i mean there is a lot of machine um that helps you to tell one story and what i wanted and what i dream of when i was very young it was just to tell one story with images so i mean the closer a uh, system for me it was the super eight uh, millimeter camera so i did but now now i mean it is it is easier and uh, and you almost with nothing uh, you can make i mean you can tell one story because that was my ambition yes to tell stories and this is something that now you can do it uh, easier than than in the 70s but but I mean, but you cannot be your life um, filming with a mobile. I mean, this should be the very first step. But the second should be something different. Should be, I mean, a, 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 I mean, a regular screen movie. Yes. That I don't know if, if everyone um, has the possibility of doing that.
3: Are you a big cinema goer? Yourself? Do you go to the cinema a lot to see other movies? A Do you lot, see yes. American
4: movies? Well, I see everything. I'm a good movie goer. Um, what well, I have to say that I don't. I don't find many movies that I that after uh, I'm getting out the, the theater like you know Enchanted or lighter or satisfied. Um, but I. I mean, I go every weekend like two two at least two times to the cinema. And uh, it's, it is becoming very difficult to find good movies. At least for me, I see everything. But I, I think it's, it's, it's more difficult now uh, for the for the for the directors just to I mean to make independent movies where they can behave completely free, completely, I mean, without thinking about the market. Mm. Um,
3: you're a member of the Academy. What, what was your choice for best film this year?
4: Yo soy miembro de la Academia? Yes. yes. And
3: what was, your, your best film, best picture,
4: w- which did you vote for? Uh, last year, I voted for for one that it was not in the... <laughs> no, really? <laughs> for Carol. Oh, okay.
3: The Patricia Highsmith adaptation.
4: Yes, Yeah.
3: I, yes. By Todd Haynes. Which, 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 I imagine. I love that movie. Yes. I imagine that. And
4: I thought it was very unfair, the results, not only in box office, but also. Uh, for me, it was one of the best movies of last year. A beautiful film. And I and think. The, well, really, I have to say that the best movie that I remember, it was not uh, among the eight uh, nominees, it was uh, El Club. The Club. Oh, Pablo Lorraine. Pablo Lorraine, yeah. Uh, absolutely it was the best movie for me but I couldn't vote it <laughs> Th-
3: this is this is a film about um, abusive priests in yes. in South America is it not so yes yeah.
4: uh, feel, I'm a subject that I that I felt also very close I I made my own uh, movie about that in about education y- yeah uh, but really I mean uh, I think it's, 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 it's a great script uh, and a great movie What Pablo Larraín I'm dying to see uh, the new one uh, Neruda, and uh, well, it's very uh, productive. is one of, I mean, the, late, the, the, the last movie, Jackie. Jackie will be in the Bennisville Festival.
3: Look out for that. Um, do, you, do you keep up with what some of your, your closer sort of acting collaborators are doing? Um, Antonio, Antonio Banderas, Penelope Cruz, when they're working on other projects, do you always kind of um, make sure you see their films? I guess <laughs> what I'm driving at is, have you seen Antonio in SpongeBob SquarePants Sponge out of water. Um, uh,
1: <laughs> Bob
0: you sponge.
4: Bob, Bob Esponja. I mean, if we call it in, in Spanish, Bob Esponja. <laughs> say that again. Bob Esponja. Wow, I can't say that. <laughs> Sounds great.
3: That, that means Bob the Sponge. Right, good. Excellent. <laughs> no, I didn't. I no. didn't. How was it? It was fine. He plays a pirate. He came on the, the, the this podcast,
4: and I think, I think uh, he makes very well. I mean, just yes, to put the boys like the, like he did before with the cut. Yes, I mean, this is a kind of work that, that he enjoyed very much, yes. and he's 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 very good with that.
3: Has he has he sent you any samples of his um, of his aftershave range, for instance? Um, <laughs> what is it called?
4: <laughs> yeah, well. i mean i don't i mean don't make me judge <laughs> uh, I think it's fun there is a lot of fun doing that and also he enjoyed really uh, doing the doing this, but it's you know i'm well, this is not my cup of tea I no, know, no you say. It's fair enough but I have to say that i if I had to say that I loved it, I love <laughs> <laughs> No, no. because it means money it means and also he's always he's always very funny doing this kind yeah. of advertising yes um your
3: next movie is your 21st. Yeah. Which here is, a, I don't know if it's the same in Spain, it's a very big sort of celebration. Do you, do you have an idea yet of what that might be? Or what do you do when you finish, when you've released the movie into the world?
4: Uh, well, I'm writing now. Uh, and there is two stories that, I mean, I'm sure that uh, the next movie is between these two. Um, so one is comedy. And... Um, a dark, very dark comedy, and the other is drama, is a drama more in the line of Julieta. I don't, I don't know which one of them I finish first, but I know more or less what will be the next one.
3: Do you, do you want, do you sort of let your mood take you towards one or other of the genres?
4: Yeah, it's always, you know, it's always a story because I always, I mean, I say two because really, I mean, in this moment I'm writing these two, but I have more stories. And I'm taking notes almost every day about a lot of stories. And there is one moment when one drives you uh, to finish. So uh, I decided, but it's more the story that uh, chose me yeah. uh, to finish and and to make the to, to finish the first draft.
3: Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Brokeback Mountain because this was a project that was potentially going to be your English language yeah. movie. Um Ang Lee obviously made it in the end. Yeah. Um, I yours was going to be different, and I just wondered how it, uh, what, how is a how what would a pedro Amalcarp more sex
4: break? more sex and um, you know and this is not um it's not gratuitous uh, the Annie proof story is about a physical relation uh, an animal relation so i mean sex is necessary because i mean is is the body of the of the story uh, it, so I always uh, have the image that, uh, I mean, these two guys uh, start making love each other, like the, the animals that they were taking care of. I mean, against, against the, the, the cold in the mountain. Uh, I mean, yes, a way to survive in the mountain. Uh, at the end, I mean, they discovered that it was something else and they were surprise it was like a big accident but um, i mean the physics part it is you know it is it is about that so and i mean i love the movie of of that uh, only did and i and i love the, the the actors both of them they were incredibly um but um but i i mean always thinking about annie bruce and not hollywood uh, i thought my my point to my point of view it was not so easy to make so i was thinking and thinking because of course they promise you of kind of freedom uh, artistic freedom of of course and uh, and also i i I like very much larry McMurtry's work Mm. but um, but it seems to me that i could do that in europe but not in the United States,
3: Pedro Madavar, it's been an incredible pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the Empire Podcast.
4: Thanks to you. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Right,
0: that was Pedro. Time now for this week's reviews section. Let's start with the return of Ricky Gervais as David Brent from the Office in David Brent: Life on the Road. Emma
2: yes so as Chris said Brent is back this time he's come out of the office and he's decided that he well he's still working in an office but he's decided that he needs to just you know take that last chance and go out on the road and try and do that one thing he's always wanted to do he just he just wants to sing man you know much to everyone in the office's amusement he heads out with a band throwing all his money at the wall and he heads out to all these different small little stops along the road you know like your local social club kind of big pubs he goes by way of um, student union as you can imagine which is quite an interesting one in hopes of trying to secure a record deal which as I'm sure many of us uh, would assume is quite a tall order. For those of you who saw the video Equality Street that they released a little while ago you'll see the rapper Dom Johnson Ben Bailey Smith so he's also in it as well going along begrudgingly as Gervais is playing his manager as well on the side. The aspirations of the rapper and Brent don't sit too well together as one of them's sort of you know stuck in his ways and the other's trying to pursue a rap career. And to be honest that's pretty much it really I think most people were worried that it would take the memory of the office and it doesn't do that as it does take that whole scenario out on the road and it doesn't really mess too much with the previous formula but the thing is I think it kind of does miss Merchant to an extent insofar that I think that he maybe might have played a few beats a tad more subtly Mm. because Brent's still very much this sort of racist not completely out and out racist but he's accidentally quote-unquote racist and there's a lot of talk of disabled people and all this kind of thing but that's how Brent has always been and he hasn't changed even if I guess the world that watches it has so it kind of makes sense that Gervais is still playing it that way even if he's been getting some flack for it to be honest
1: but then wouldn't it be funnier I think like that was one of the things that struck, that struck me as well wouldn't it be funnier if he was trying more to move with the times because I think he does try that's, yeah. a, that's part of the joke isn't it he's always tried to be terribly right on and then mm. he nevertheless comes across as incredible you know, patronising, prejudiced, whatever. I feel
2: like you should be trying harder and I feel like that would help those jokes land more, you know? Yeah. I was in a huge, huge pack screen and mm. people, you saw had patches of people that were laughing and patches of people that were like, yeah. can they say that? Really? And there's some issues with the N-word and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff which, I don't know, They, it, there are people that were really appreciating it and enjoying it a lot and I don't think Gervais is in any way trying to be controversial or whatever. That's just what the characters always been like, yeah, um, okay. and I guess that's why you have to know the office to sort of forgive again, quote unquote, Brent, because there's not really any room for outsiders anyway and maybe it wouldn't sit so well with people that have never watched it um, well, I haven't watched a lot of the office and I thought this started really strong but I've seen like some episodes don't
1: shout at me please no, no. <laughs> uh, but you know it, I just never it's not my I, I don't love cringe humor I don't love the, yeah. the kind of stuff where you end up just covering your eyes and just sinking into your seat going oh god please don't say that and this has that but but it's still funny I, I recognize that the office is very
2: funny yeah. at doing that and I felt like
1: this was a little bit more hit, hit and miss wasn't
2: it yeah he's slightly stuck in a. T- time warp that's kind of always been his issue and everyone around him is just trying to kind of push him the right way but then they sort of give up um <laughs> that's just how it's always been really and it's i think the movies maybe a tad more cringe than the show maybe because it's in a more concentrated time space than you yeah. know the show was over more episodes but there's some really great points in it i mean tom bennett again is absolutely brilliant he plays his sort of well the only person in the office that kind of <clears throat> entertains brent's humor and he's really he's he's brilliant and there's a lovely new receptionist as well I do think the way it's going the end's quite predictable obviously won't say anything about that but interestingly the beginning is basically exactly the same as Alpha Papa which is which is really weird starts doesn't give anything away but it starts in a car with a song and I feel like either that's a really niche joke or it's just someone should have flagged that because it's identical <laughs> but there are some really good songs in there there's one about Slough which is genuinely hilarious and um, very very catchy and then when it ends you'll just be feeling like it should be Christmas Huh. <laughs> We gave it two stars. I'd be slightly kinder and give it a low three, <laughs> but low three. Um, it's it's enjoyable.
0: A low recommendation. Yeah. yeah. But two stars is not a recommendation. But uh, if you like the future your face,
2: yeah, I, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't ruin the office. And I think at the end of the day, that's all anyone could yeah. hope for. So cool. It's a little bit extra.
0: All right. Two stars then for David Brent. Life on the road. So next up is Swallows and Amazons. Helen, have about it?
1: Yeah, this is uh, an adaptation of the uh, 1930 novel by Arthur Ransome, which was probably on everybody's shelf growing up and uh, it's about a family of children uh, the walkers uh, who are on holiday in the lake district with their mother while their father who is a ship's captain is abroad and it's just super charming super nostalgic kind of a, a story the four of them go sailing on the local lake they go to a little island camp out on the island their boat that they go sailing in is called the swallow so they call themselves the swallows and uh, they get into a fight with an, with a pair of kids local kids who also have a boat called the amazon and uh, and have laid claim to this island as their own so there's a little bit of business between the two of them but you also have Rafe Spall as a local man who is a kind of a 39 Steps esque shady figure who's on the run from someone or something. There's a little bit of business on the train at the beginning of this this is kind of an addition to the story of the novel involving some spies who are after him for nefarious reasons and is he a goodie or a baddie? We don't know <laughs> probably a goody <laughs> So you've got Andrew Scott as one of the people pursuing him as well. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of They've added in a little bit of adventure and excitement to this kind of kid's story, but it is really a very nostalgic piece. Beautiful, beautiful kids' performances. Gorgeous, gorgeous landscapes. Great support from the likes of Kelly MacDonald and Jessica Hines. But really, it's it's like watching one of those. really Do you remember, in if any of you were around in the 80s and 90s, the really classy half-hour literary adaptations of kids' books that the BBC used to do? Yeah. So The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, The Children of Green Know, The Box of Delights, all of those. kind of ones. That's what this feels like. And not necessarily in a bad way. Yes, it is kind of twee and kind of nostalgic but it's pretty well done so you kind of let it away with stuff that you wouldn't otherwise lie. Um, So I had a really nice time. We gave it three stars. I'm a little bit on the high end of that scale. Actually, I had a really nice time watching it but it is definitely twee and it may well not be for you, in which case that's probably a fair rating.
0: There we go. Three stars in for Swallows and Amazons. Sorry we've got to race through this because once again we've overrun a little bit and we're being kicked out of the booth any second now which means there's just time for one more review this week and this is very interesting because it is A Childhood of a Leader and this is a Metrodome release and as we understand it at the moment it is still being released in cinemas this weekend but just in case it isn't you know check listings before you go out I would say so Emma
2: yeah so The Childhood of a Leader is the feature length debut from Brady Corbett he's acted under sort of you know Von Trier and Hanneke and this film definitely has echoes of that it's set in and don't forget Thunderbirds and, he sorry, was a lead in Thunderbirds Birds, I and I think
0: that is the, the <laughs> chief influence on his career
2: well unfortunately due to the lack of engineering uh, prowess at that time in France in 1918 doesn't tie in too much to that but uh, it's set in the 1900s in France and Liam Cunningham plays a US diplomat Berenice Bayo is his wife and they've got a young son played by Tom Sweet and Phil who reviewed this for us has described the film as boyhood with Adolf," which to be honest is quite an apt uh, quite an apt description because as his father is dealing with the sort of verse Versailles Treaty negotiations. The boy's sort of kicking off at home and throwing stones at priests and things that kind of spiral more and more out of control. And it's set in this partly fictitious world. So, although the Versailles stuff is going on in the background and there's definitely a strong presence of war, what happens with the boy, you know, he's not, without spoiling anything, he's not a real figure. But as the title sort of says, it is the childhood of a leader. And it's split into chapters that are sort of each tantrum. So, every <coughs> chapter is it focuses on like I said throwing the rocks at the priests and bigger tantrums he kicks off with his nanny at one point and then the lady that's trying to teach him who's played by Nymphomaniac Stacey Martin and it's just got this real eerie feel everything about it just kind of I can't describe it it's like a real sticky feel to it it's very creepy and I completely fell in love with it it's got this incredible score from Scott Walker who's a 60s pop star that quite a lot of you may be aware of Mm -hmm. and Lol Crawley uh, who recently and he did the cinematography on 45 Years also works on this and again agreeing with Phil it's got sort of like the shadowy elegance of a Rembrandt painting. It's a very dark film but I honestly, honestly believe this personally to be the best film of the year for me so far. Whoa! Yeah, Civil War is my favourite which I know is a complete contrast but this for me so far I think is the best film of the year. It's crazy. Brady literally turned 28 yesterday and this is his first film and if you guys can go and see it I, I honestly can't. Brady. Yeah. <laughs> Brady, I can't... Braids, she calls them. Braids. Bradders and braids. Yeah, I saw it back in Edinburgh a few months ago and I was just completely not for six. As soon as this really aggressive score starts, and it goes on for quite a while at the beginning, they have this sort of Pathé-style montage of the end of World War One. It's all black and white and the aspect ratio is a bit different and it's a bit of a bit of a dreamy opening, really. And it just completely hooked me. It's a very simple story. It's just this growing up of a child, but just where it goes, it's got a really odd final act that I know won't sit right with a lot of people but it's got these great performances across the board and it's really nice to see Robert Pattinson doing something a bit different and quite still and everyone's great in it and you know it's a really interesting take on a slightly fake but real part of history really. Awesome. So what did we give that? We gave it four but I
0: Sounds like you give it three. Would be
2: a big old three. (laughs) Huge five stars from me.
0: A huge five stars. Huge five stars. Brady Corbett or I've always thought it was Corbet. Andy, always feel yeah radical bay <laughs> yeah you have that sort of I don't know. It was like Colbert. Brady uh, you know. Colbert. Yeah. yeah. Brady Corbet. Okay. Yeah. star of the Thunderbirds. <laughs> A movie that he's been trying to not make ever since. Cool. And he has
1: succeeded. And he well, has then.
0: really succeeded. Four stars then for that. Uh, and that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Join us next week for more film related fun when we'll be joined by Todd Phillips. Oh. <gasps> director of the Hangover Trilogy with our good friend Bradders and uh, War Dogs. <laughs> in fact, Bradders is in that and he produced it he as is. well. So there we go. Bradders is. On the podcast, though, he's just texted me to say he's unavailable. Uh, Permanently, t-
2: I think. Hit. No, that. he didn't say that. He didn't he say didn't that. Know.
0: He said, "Are you up for some lols late?"
2: Nobody. Nobody talks like that, Chris. I see through this.
0: (laughs) I don't know what you mean. Until next week, uh, it is goodbye from Emma. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Helen. Toodaloo. Uh, It's goodbye from me. Uh, I'm off to re-edit every single Empire podcast and preface them with an apology. It's the only way to be sure. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.